Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio, and today was decision day. Um, the Supreme Court decided to reverse a 50-year law that recognized our constitutional rights um, to control our body. And I am moved to uh, be joined tonight by four amazing people who've spent the entire day, um, as so many of us have. Let's just introduce ourselves. Hello, it's great to be here with you all. I am State Representative Dr. Tammy Govea. My name is Amy Lee Galvin. I'm a food service manager for Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Hi, I'm Sonia Coleman. I'm an organizer with Stop Handgun Violence and also a chairwoman board with the States United to Prevent Gun Violence. Hi there, I'm Keiko Zoll. I'm director of communications for Boston Schools Fund and creator of the freeformulaexchange.com. And we've all been going all day since we first heard the news. And let me let people know who are listening. Keiko's literally walking still. Tammy is looking at us in her car, driving from event to event. Um, I've seen Sonia and Amy on social media all day. So none of us have stopped moving. Keiko. Tell us you were in Swampscott. What was the mood like there? So at about 11 o'clock this morning, I was like, we need something in our community. So I took it upon myself to organize something. Um, and so we gathered um, at the uh, World War II monument um, right in the heart of Swampscott, right off of kind of one of the main drags and um, organized it really quickly, was able to assemble a really robust speaker program, which I was really proud of. We had our chair of our board of health. We had a select person. Um, we had three of the Swampscott based um, candidates who are running for the Essex 8th district to speak. And then we had um, an LGBTQ member of our community speak as well. And then I gave remarks and we probably had, I would say over a hundred people. Um, it was a great turnout. The energy was it's hard to say it's almost like it was weirdly like upbeat a little bit in that like it was clear that like people came and wanted to gather because they needed that solidarity um and so there were people that brought signs and flags and like where it's located there it's a main drag off of the Linway um which goes from Lynn into Boston and so like cars were driving by and honking in support and we had a couple of jerks that like flipped us off and said stupid stuff but like we drowned them out um and it was, you know, you know, initially like everybody kind of got there and people were milling around and like, where's this going? And we're like, all right, let's start a speaking program. And then, um, you know, the mood quickly shifted to, we've got to do something. Like the, the clock has run out and the, the moment of fighting for our lives begins now. Um, and I received, I've already received a ton of feedback um, from people after the event who attended. And they said, you know, they were so grateful to have a space where they felt like there were other people who were understand, who understood and felt their rage and their fear and their sense of what do we do about it? And so a lot of our speakers, cause they were, many of them were elected officials. They really focused on, we need to, what, you know, what we need to do locally um, that down ballot races matter. Um, and that, you know, at the state level, like it's, you know, Governor Baker's order of basically making Massachusetts a safe harbor state, like that's great. Yes, and we also need to make sure, you know, like what else can we do for our sisters and trans sisters in states where they don't have the same protections that Massachusetts does. Um, it was really, it was really inspiring. <laughs> and for those who are watching, Dr. Gavea, who uh, is an elected 
state representative who's running for lieutenant governor. Um, I saw you clapping on a couple of the things that Keiko said. But I was in Concord. This event started to come together yesterday when we knew uh, or anticipated. I, I would say the atmosphere was a little bit more somber and a little bit more like sense of frustration and anger and despair, but also a resolve to keep fighting for everyone's rights. And there was definitely a shared sentiment that this is not just about women's rights. There's a lot of folks who run around and say that this is about women's rights, but it's so much more than that. It's about uh, trans rights, it's about LGBTQ rights, it's about the rights of people of color, it's about civil rights. Um, and that was definitely the sentiment that, that came across today. Sonia, where were you? So I was in Arlington Center um, at the town hall. And this was, was planned with the Arlington Democrats. I'm a, an elected delegate with the Arlington Dems. And they said, when the decision comes, we are five o'clock rally. So we had probably at least a hundred. Um, it was a lot more casual, definitely upbeat because we were like along Mass Ave in the street and you know, cars were honking. And so it was a, a lot more um, publicly visible for those passing by. And it was the Mystic Valley Action for Choice. So they were kind of like the main sponsors kind of, and also providing information as far as abortion care and access. And Senator Cindy Friedman was there and she spoke, you know, and really rallying cried to saying like, you know, we're not going back and we're going to, you know, everyone needs to come out to vote and this, this really matters. And so we started at town hall and then we walked to the center where it's the four corners route 60 pleasant street you know so a lot more traffic there and we divided to the four corners and i would say still like very very upbeat and um you know it and most you know people were very supportive we didn't have there wasn't any anti-protesters maybe people being obnoxious driving by um, just because they want to, but otherwise, you know, it was really a good feeling of just being around other people who are feeling the same. And I brought my daughter, um, and it was just really good for her to see that, you know, what people like really support, you know, women's rights and our, our rights to decide what we're going to do with our body. And so, and there were men, and I was telling her how important, like that we see men out there um, standing next to us and also saying, you know, holding these signs saying like, you know, her body, her choice. So, so that was, um, that was really good. So it was really good just to be out there. Obviously we got to do the real work and follow through, but it, it was a good action, I think, for people just to get out and just get kind of release some of this very bottled energy that, you know, is kind of eaten away at us all day. Amy Lee, what was it like in Beverly? Uh, so Beverly was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, there were probably about 100 people that showed up. Um, Beverly does have a clinic within the Cummings Center, and there are frequently pro-life protesters that do go there. They go throughout the year. It's not just when they do 40 days of life. Myself and another woman got together, and she had organized a Facebook event and I had put our event on the national website so that people could find us. And I mean, it was 
it was interesting. It was interesting to see just everybody come out. I mean, it's amazing to see what our community can do when we all come together. We did have a police presence. Um, our group got really large. And we also had a pro-life protester come and she was in the road. We were actually trying to get her out of the road. Um, a reporter did report inaccurately that pro-choice protesters were trying to like instigate her, but that wasn't what happened. But I mean, the feeling was kind of like a party and actually somebody that was standing next to me said, you know, I'd rather be on the side where people are having fun and they're like engaging and they're talking and they have all these ideas. And then, you know, when you looked across the street, these people were just like standing there. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, it's so much better when you have freedom. <laughs> it's just like a stark contrast. I really enjoyed talking with that person. I think that they gave me like a really good perspective about it. And I mean, there were little kids there and it was just amazing energy. Like I've never seen Beverly come out like that before. And I was really proud to just be a part of this community. I mean, I, it's amazing. It seems like there's just a different visions for what America and democracy are about. And it feels like between the hearings this week, plus the decision around guns yesterday, and then today's you know, we all anticipated this decision. I have to admit, I had this like one little percent of hope that it wouldn't be as bad as it was. I was hoping it might be very bad, but not actually overturning it. But most of us saw this on election night in 2016, that Trump would appoint people to Supreme Court and that this is what would happen. But there are a lot of people today who may be listening who really maybe had more than one percent of hope for those who couldn't get out and you're feeling alone or angry or sad it's a lot harder to process those feelings by yourself did either of you see any other things that you could pass on for someone who couldn't get out today to be with people there were a couple older women um there that wore their their pussy hats from the women's march and it's like almost 80 in their winter hats and they still wore it and i got a picture with one of them and i was and i i was just feeling like, you know, where they have lived through it and saw the circumstances when abortion wasn't legal. And now, like a lot of them were just like shaking their head, like here we are again, like we're in 2022 and this is this is where we're at. And, and so what I did is I, I asked to take a picture with them, like just to, and put my arm around them and just like, you know, show we're gonna get through this together. Um, and like Cindy, you know, Senator, Friedman stated like, you know, you know, this isn't over and keep showing up, you know, supporting those, those sisters and, and trans sisters who are, who need our support, who aren't in safe places. I had those signs that I had brought when we marched about two, like a month ago. And on the back of them, it says the Boston Red Cloaks. And at one point I was holding my sign up and a woman came up to me. And she said, oh, I've seen your group on Twitter and I've always wanted to join you, but I think I'm too old. And I said, oh no, like nobody is too old like, and nobody is too young. You can do a lot. And I had another conversation with somebody and I brought up how we're all good at different things. You know, I said, 
Jesse's really good about organizing us. Whereas then like, maybe that's not my great thing. I like logistics. I like outreach. I'm all about, you know, being more active and trying to collect items and running drives. So it's interesting that our group has so many people that are so good at so many different things and we've all found each other and come together and we're making that a possibility, but it wouldn't work if we all did the same thing. But like having a drive and reaching out to people, like that makes me know that I'm doing something. I think that that's really important for people to realize, especially young people. People, you know, the next generation, if you're, you know, growing up and you're seeing this, you're watching the news with your parents. I think that that is so important to realize there's a million things that you can do. You know, and I'm looking at you, Dr. Gavea, that you've got this social worker experience and background. And I feel like part of what's been challenging for people expecting, anticipating this would come and, you know, expecting it for so long. And so then it's like, here it is dealing with losing hope, but also finding now that it happened, now I know it happened. And so how can I keep myself mentally healthy and take care of myself so that I can, you know, do what's necessary for sustained advocacy? Once the, the decision was leaked, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of young people in particular who are going to be much more burdened by this because they feel the weight of the fact that their choices are limited, that the choices of their peers who live in other states are limited, uh, particularly in our LGBTQ community and our communities of color where the burdens are even greater in our low-income communities, you know, for weeks and weeks about this. And for folks who have been at this fight who, you know, were here in college it before Roe was decided, I should say, and they remember young people trying to induce abortions in their dorm mental health this definitely has uh, an impact on our mental health it will have an impact on public health in particular as well because folks who are forced to carry pregnancies that they don't want or feel equipped to carry are going to be forced in many ways to be in domestic violence situations that they otherwise would have been able to be empowered to leave or have the financial opportunity to leave it limits pregnant people's choices in terms of where you live, kind of transportation you might be able to afford, the career opportunities, the educational opportunities. It is really constricting. And that kind of constriction impacts our mental health. And even if we're not the ones who are experiencing it and suffering, I think that's the ripple effect of what we're really seeing here and the impacts all across the demographics of anybody who is not white, cisgender, male, and Christian, because this is being shoved down our throats. This is really right-wing radicalism on the Supreme Court, spewing a bunch of lies. You know, the Alito decision is packed with lies. The American public is not in a state of consternation over abortion access. Overwhelmingly, American people support abortion access. The originalism perspective on the reading that they took with the Constitution and the fact that the the Constitution doesn't say anything about abortion access, or the 14th Amendment doesn't say anything about abortion access. So therefore, we cannot say that abortion is a right in the Constitution because it's not stated. Well, in 1868, like, we didn't understand germ theory. We didn't understand that viruses were actually also a cause of infections and disease. Like, life was so different. We are living in the present moment. We are not living in the past. You know, the revisionist history of, you know, saying that 
in colonial times that we did not have abortions that were happening uh, before a person knew that they were pregnant. That is absolutely false. There were even, you know, advertisements, public advertisements of access to abortion services. So this whole notion that we don't have a history of it, that it's not in the Constitution or in the 14th Amendment. You know, we didn't have airplanes in the in the 14 in the in 1868, right? Like we didn't have the Air Force. Like, and then when you look at the concurring uh, decision that Thomas wrote, that's an indication to me of also where we ought to be really worried and afraid and have a lot of fear and stand with our our, our trans neighbors and friends and family. Stand with our you know, families of color and our immigrant families and our low income families, you know, this is an indication of like what is to come or what could come in this like very right wing perspective. And they've been working on this for decades. Like this is not like just Trump era stuff. This predates Trump. And what I said, you know, after we formed the Women's March and a lot of us march, which was great, we need to really be working in a multilingual, multicultural, multiracial, multi class coalition building because this is about anybody who is not cisgender white male able-bodied christian all of this is on the line this our civil rights are on the line regardless of what party we're in regardless of our politics regardless of our religion or our race or our ethnicity or our gender identity or sexual orientation there's a lot on the line here and this is this is potentially just the beginning. And the only way, the only way we're going to get out of this, in my perspective, is to really lock arms with people whose lives and civil rights are also on the line. Rallying is great. And it's also a also and right. Got to get to the ballot box, got to support people who are unapologetically not only about abortion access and reproductive justice, but who are also unapologetically standing up for our, our trans friends and family, standing up for LGBTQ rights, standing up for our immigrant neighbors, standing up for our communities of color and standing up for our low-income folks. And, and Sonia, I know that you're in the space of working on you know, sensible gun control policies and sensible protections to make sure that all of us are safe from gun policies. That also was on the docket this week as well. And I think it's important for us to just look at, I don't want to call them dominoes, but just like the series of decisions that came out this week that have huge implications for our mental health, our well-being, and our dignity moving forward. I do appreciate this space. We have these incredibly passionate people. And if we actually work together, we can have more than one issue move forward. I mean, I know if Sonia tells me something around gun violence prevention, I'm, I believe her because she spent a lot of time thinking about it and wants to keep everybody safe. And I know if Amy tells me this is the needs, this is the supplies, this is the needs, this is how to get them there. I know we can do it. We can make a commitment to another state and an organization there, and they can depend on it because she's not going to let us down. And Tammy, I know that as you've looked statewide in campaigning for lieutenant governor, you're also seeing people, as we have in this call from five different communities, um, you're seeing people from across the state who have a lot to give in whatever way they give. Sonia. You don't have to be there physically. I know that, you know, people have limitations, it's still COVID, everyone needs to do what they can, but there's way to, to support. So look for organizations like Planned Parenthood and um, we have local organizations too, but you know, look within your own community, community and, and offer whatever you can, you know, and, and we just reach out. 
and see what's happening and see what you can do and, and you can make a difference. The smallest change can make a difference. Amy. We can do this. We are resilient, but it is time to act. I looked at a map today and I was looking at states where it is going to be illegal. And I also looked at trigger states. And I wanna to call to the people that are in safe beacon states, even though it doesn't feel, I don't feel safe. If you're in a safe, you know, a safe state, if whatever you can do, and if you can't do anything personally, if you can find somebody, if we can, and we can save people that are pregnant, if we can save one person's life, I think that what we're doing is worth it. We need to come together. We need to pool our resources. Now is the time because people are going to start dying and they're going to start dying soon. And, you know, if we can, whatever we can do, the time is now. They released their decision today. They closed the court. Um, and I, I honestly have to say that was probably one of the saddest moments in my life as an American to see that, to see that our, our court was closed down. You know, it felt like, I feel like that is, it was just utterly disrespectful. You will literally hand down a decision that's going to affect just so many people and you won't even face them. It felt like they were just turning their backs on the whole entire country. And so I really hope that as a country, we can come together and we can really, we can do something. We need to rally. I'm not patriotic, but this is, I think the most American thing that we can do. We need to help other Americans and now is the time. So Amy, just kind of piggybacking on, on you that there are ways that we can help uh, other people. I know that in conversations with my past friends, I used to work at Fenway Community Health Center. Fenway Community Health Center for the last several months has been getting calls from parents um, from other states like Texas and Florida about how to get care and access for their transgender and their LGBTQ children. I think we can do something similar here um, when it comes to abortion and reproductive services access, making sure that people have access to accurate, timely information, telehealth services. And one way that we can do that in our state is we can pass the medication abortion legislation that's in our state that's pending, particularly to increase access on our university campuses. It's one easy way to prevent the onslaught of demand that we will see on our um, very few abortion providers in our state of Massachusetts here alone. Other things that we can do, you know, it's great that uh, Governor Baker did give safe refuge to our abortion care providers, really happy to see that. We need to encourage other states to do the same thing. Um, and then also providing uh, resources, making a recurring monthly donation or one-time donation. There are a number of important um, sites to, that you can contribute to. The ones that I'll name here are the Eastern Massachusetts Abortion Fund, the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts, and the Jane Fund of Central Massachusetts. These are, you know, organizations that you can support to get logistical and transportation and other access support um, to abortion services and help get candidates who are unapologetically pro-choice, unapologetically pro-human, pro-LGBTQ rights, pro-rights of civil rights of our black and brown folks in our in our commonwealth and in our country. You know, women of color really have been 
beating the drum on this for years and years and years. And it's really um, on all of us to, to really be paying attention to those who have been really trying to lead it in the trenches um, for a very long time around the issue of abortion access and reproductive justice. So just again, appreciate the conversation and all the work that's happening here. And I look forward to seeing you all at a rally soon and seeing you at the ballot box and seeing you in the halls of our legislatures and in our Congress. Thank you. It's just terrific having you all spend part of this historic day. I know for many, many people, they will remember where they were when they heard about the Supreme Court decision in a way they may not follow the Supreme Court all that often, but June 24th, 2022 is going to stick out in people's memory. When I woke up this morning, I was going to uh, participate as an individual in the Concord gathering. And I was really looking forward to hearing you, Dr. Gavea, as I always do. And in the end, I took out a permit where I live and, you know, like a hundred people came and it's a reminder if you're listening, you know, you may step outside your comfort zone, but if you do that, what you may find is you will find other people who feel the same way and sharing something um, like they say, shareable is bearable. And if you can share with us on social media or come back and listen to the podcast, you can email us at bostonredcloaks at gmail.com. We can put up information if you want to learn more about Dr. Govea's campaign. We can put up more information from Sonia about her work on gun violence prevention. And as Amy refines the logistics for the uh, supply drive that she's going to help lead, we will put that up. Thank you all uh, for, for being there today and for being together. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com 